Nub Nub, Chub Chub, Ewok song. Yeah, we're doing the fucking Ewoks, and it was awful. Thanks a bunch, Christopher Brown. It's in the basket, the writer's bagel basket. Exciting. Tomorrow we go to the zoo. I love you. That's all I needed to hear. I'm so excited! I'm so excited! We don't have to be mean. Because remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. I'm Scott Curland, and I'm literally watching something that I have never seen in my life, did not know it existed. And thank you to my buddy, and where in the world is Stephen Quincy Urkel co-host, Christopher Brown, for screwing me up like this. Look, it's not my problem, all right? Because I went into this thinking, hey, Scott's someone who likes fun. Scott's someone who enjoys good things. So I went into I approached this with that mentality when I suggested when I when I invited you into the part of my life that is the Ewoks animated series from eighty five and eighty six. It was gummy bears. It was literally gummy bears. <laughs> it was not gummy bears. With no clever theme song. Did you actually listen to the theme song? No. I was too okay. sad. So so there you go. <laughs> the theme Ewok bears. So, so well, one of the things um, that I that I want to get out of, about this show off the bat, and the theme song is actually pretty 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 pivotal to this, is that unlike a lot of other things, especially <laughs> things that came out, um, you know, after the Return of the Jedi that were made by George Lucas, um, sometimes things were a little, let's just be polite and call them problematic. Yeah. Um, whether it's the Nemoidians uh, having distinctly Japanese accents or Jar Jar Binks uh, or, or what have you. There are a lot of things that could be considered problematic. One of the things that I really like about Ewoks um, is that it has a very tribal feel to it in terms of like its score and its theme song and everything like that without actually sounding problematic. Like it sounds distinctly tribal, but not like it's like sort of uh doing any sort of cultural appropriation or anything like that it's just it sounds different i should have just had had us do droids so i could hear that sting theme song a trouble again <laughs> when jaja's gone the droid show is uh, is not as good. Not as good. <laughs> this was terrible. So, a couple things about this cartoon. First off, wait. Do you want to before you... you dive deep in? Do you want to give the TV guide rule? What, what? Okay, sure. What TV? Do you want me to do? Do you want me to do it for the show in general or the, the episode? The episode. Okay, so this is a this is a double hitter as uh, all of the second season of Ewoks was. It was uh, two ten minute shorts uh, packaged up in one twenty two minute block. So the first episode is Home is Where the Shrieks Are. So in this episode, young Wicket the Ewok, last seen in Return of the Jedi, hanging out with Princess Leia, and his friend Tebow decide that they've had enough of doing chores around their house, and they decide to move out on their own. Little do they know the supposedly abandoned treehouse that they find to live in might not be so abandoned after all. Yeah. <laughs> and? <laughs> and the second part was uh, Princess Latara, in which uh, Tebow's romantic interest in friend of the gang Latara, uh, kind of a snotty little Ewok, decides that she's jealous of her friend Princess Nisa and wants to trade places with her for a day and become a princess. And... Latara thinks that this means that she's just going to be catered to left and right. But little does she know, she has a kidnapping surprise in store. <laughs> just like Princess Di. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she rode her horse thing Baga a little too fast in the streets of Paris. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, 
I'm not going to call her Princess Nisa. I'm calling her Princess Cree Summer because it was Cree Summer. Is that one of the um, the the gummy bears? No, Cree Summer was Penny on Inspector Gadget. She's Elmira Duff. Oh, oh, got it, got it. The voice, the voice, the voice. Got it. Yeah, actually, I had never connected those dots before, but yeah, absolutely. She's uh, Foxy Love. Yep, yep. Yeah, so uh, canonically, in terms of the actual Star Wars movies, and this is not counting the Ewok movies that obviously would delve into that particular corner of lore a little bit more, uh, I believe Wicket, uh, Chief Chirpa, who was not in either of these episodes, as well as Master Logre, who was not in either of these episodes, are the only characters who were in Return of the Jedi. Oh, God, what are we going to do without them? (laughs) Yeah. Well, the thing is, what I was what I was going to say before is, I gave you two specific episodes that I remember really liking as a kid. Uh, they're actually pretty different from the rest of the show because the rest of the show had some sort of ongoing themes going on, uh, such as the Ewoks' war with the neighboring tribe, the Duloks, which were these like kind of like taller swamp monsters. Were those those uh, frog things that? Tri- no, okay. no, no, no. Those those were a one shot deal. Okay. Both of these episodes were completely standalone in nature. So yeah, there were there were a number that dealt with like some were actually kind of like darker, uh, and like there was one where Nisa's uh, horse thing Baga was like lured in by this monster that emitted like pheromones that caused all the animals to come to it so he could eat him, <laughs> and it was really dark. Then they go to the swamp of sadness and she starts crying. <laughs> <laughs> ah, tax. I okay. Dangar. <laughs> okay, so. I, when I was looking up the stuff about this show, it's supposed to take place between Empire and Jedi. So, shouldn't this like series end with the new Death Star showing up and <laughs> just wiping out everyone? That would be pretty good, actually, if yeah, the Empire came in later on in the game and just started like deforesting sections of the forest of uh, of Bright Tree Village. And, uh, you know, rehoming some of the Ewoks. Hey, look, bunch of bears. Eh, we can make teddy bears out of them. Kill them. Yeah. There was one episode that actually started out with a Star Destroyer, like, going overhead and had, like, Imperial stuff. And that was that was fun as a kid. <laughs> I don't get it. Okay, so <laughs> in Home is Where the Shrieks is, the whole premise is that <sighs> Warwick Davis... Bear, <laughs> yes, the the bear that Warwick Davis played, or the Ewok that Warwick Davis played, which they named him after. The last name, I guess, is a Warwick. Uh yeah, it's a, uh, it's uh Star Wars characters are frequently named well after the fact. Yeah. So, for example, like you'll find like Kenner action figures from the time that'll call someone like, I don't know, like like Camel Man or something like that. And then years later, I'll be like, oh, no, he's always been named Moma Nadon. <laughs> so it wouldn't surprise me if all of these Jet characters Porkins. were named specifically for the cartoon. Uh, but I could I could be incorrect on that. I think maybe Wicket was named beforehand. Wicket, the name was, but not the last name. Yeah, no, that's definitely a little... Um, that's definitely a nod to Warwick Davis. Yeah. Um, so him and his lover, because those two men are confirmed bachelors, right? <laughs> Tebow? No, Tebow's obsessed with Latara. Yeah, I could tell that, but at the same time, it was like, it was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go and live with you. We're just two guys hanging out. Sometimes, you know, we just shower <laughs> together. That's not weird. <laughs> well, I think the dynamic is Tebow looks up to Wicket, and Wicket's just like, oh, okay, I need this person to validate me because I'm secretly insecure. I need uh, someone with spare blood and spare fingerprints. <laughs> <laughs> so when I go to live off the grid in this weird treehouse that I found, I can really be off the grid. This was just weird. Like, this entire episode or segment, um, did, did you already mention it was written by Paul Dini? <laughs> uh, no, but it, it was. Uh, well, actually, this one was written by uh, Bob Caro. Uh, Princess Latara was written by Paul Dini. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Bob Caro is the guy who uh <clears throat> excuse me. He wrote uh Caravan of Courage, but later on he weirdly uh wrote the television adaptation of Maniac Mansion, which was one of the loosest adaptations of anything that I have ever seen in my life. What is Maniac Mansion? 
Oh man, Maniac Mansion is a classic uh, point-and-click computer game from the '80s. <laughs> so it's like it's made by Lucas Arts actually oh, to okay. tie the whole thing in together. But um, so like it's it's a predecessor in many ways of like Sam and Max. It's the prequel to Day of the Tentacle. Uh, all of those games. So it's a great game, but it's also like in that era of LucasArts, their games were like kind of skewing adult. Like there was like a little bit of nudity in them. Things would be like pretty suggestive. Like they were taking advantage of the fact that computer games were like a total niche thing at that point in time. Weird. So much so that when they ported Maniac Mansion to the NES, they had to sanitize quite a bit out of it. That, that they couldn't do Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, they adapted that, and it was it just did not resemble the game whatsoever. Of he course. couldn't write Zork. And then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Dini and Caro both wrote for Tiny Toons too. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah, because Dini Dini's written a ton of shit throughout okay. the years. So the only famous voice actor on the show was Cree Summer. Like, I didn't recognize anyone else. Yeah, I assume that this was as low budget affair as possible because they were probably just looking to squeeze out any more profit they could from the Star this Wars was name before. The most expensive cartoon for the Jesus Christ. Are we both wearing a Star Wars shirt right now? Yeah, we are. Jesus Christ. That was accidental on my part. <laughs> I did not intend for this to happen. <laughs> well, one of us is gonna have to change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> And you can't see, we are both completely naked. Now one of us has to change again. <laughs> I start cutting into my arm. <laughs> so You pull yeah, off uh, your skin they're, they're... like it's a piece of cheese pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so at the very beginning, uh, at, uh, uh, Wicket tells his mother as he's leaving that it'd take a million munyips for him to return. And this is one of the kind of geeky fun things about this, and I, this is probably not fun for anyone but me and anyone who plays uh, Star Wars Battlefront. But the Munyips are in the world of the Ewoks. They're the little flying bird type things that have horn-shaped noses. I don't know if you saw them in either episode. They're in the background a lot, and sometimes no, they start the episode. No, I didn't. But they use them one. as a currency. I don't know. That's that's kind of the big thing I was wondering. But uh, in the most recent Battlefront, they introduced a mode called Ewok Hunt. Are you familiar with this? No. <laughs> it's amazing. So first off, the reason I bring it up is because all the Endora maps show uh, Munyips floating around, even though they're technically legends uh, now and not canon. So I love it when Star Wars creators now are sneaking in like weird shit like that in Life Day from the Christmas special into canon. But uh, yeah, Ewok Hunt is fucking awesome because it starts out, it's like the way that it works, it's a multiplayer game. So I think it's like 16 players or something like that. And it starts out, 12 of them are stormtroopers on Endor and four of them are Ewoks and it's night. And the stormtroopers all have a flashlight that works for a certain amount of time before they have to turn it off and recharge it. And they're in total darkness. And in the meantime, you hear things like rustling in the forest all around you and the Ewoks can see at night clearly. So they're just, like, running around killing stormtroopers, and it's basically like you're in an Ewok-themed horror movie. (laughs) It's absolutely amazing. And for anyone actually wondering, no, we are fully clothed. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that actually brings up in the episode when things go black in this segment. Like, they were clearly trying to save money. Yeah, probably. Uh, like I said before, I think this is really trying to maximize any profit that they had left in the Star Wars name without making new movies. Yeah, but this show cost $500,000 to make. Did it really? Yeah. And droids cost 600000 Now that's shocking to me. I wonder if 100000 of that was just paying off Stuart Copeland alone. I think a lot of that money went up people's noses. <laughs> yeah because a lot of it didn't appear on the screen so yeah when when they're like just like messing around and like doing their classic sitcom trope of oh we're living on our own we're just two confirmed bachelors (laughs) i'm gonna beat that to the ground but when, well, I mean, they're not—they're not like the goofy gophers. They're, like that's—that's that's not clearly intended to be happening. This is just strictly happening in your head canon at this point. <laughs> I mean, if you look hard enough, I'm sure there are websites out there that will cater to this for you. Ah, uh, no, <laughs> I didn't even want to be watching this. 
<laughs> I should have made you watch Snorks. Oh, God. Snorks is worse than this. Yeah, they're like Smurfs underwater. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. Because <laughs> Smurfs is already like probably a D plus of a show. And Snorks, I would have to say, is probably a letter grade under that anyway. With this episode, like I, I love how they're so dumb that they don't understand how you need food to live. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Tebow's like, oh yeah, I was eating with my with my bros, and uh, Wicked is like, did you bring me any food? Oh, you want to eat too? Yes, you asshole. I want to eat food. <laughs> well, and this comes right after um, they. They the only food that they had brought with them uh, burned on their stove because they were too busy trying to like hang a hammock and do other shit like that. And then they and Nisa and Latara came by to visit them to see how they were doing and brought food. Wicket insulted Latara in the process, so she just dumped the food all over him. So yeah, they're not they're not playing the food game very well. Yeah, that that's also just a really bad example to to set for for children. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it's it's very 80s. You know, someone insults you, you dump something on their head. Something that I don't think I've ever done that in real life. I, don't, I can't imagine I have. Have you? No. No. Hold on, okay. let me think about that. There wasn't, there wasn't no. ellipses after that, so I was curious to see where you're going. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, uh, the two boys are on their own, and uh, the... Their first night, Tebow brings back uh, three weird animals with him to uh, play cards with him, and uh, they're blatantly cheating for the like thirty seconds they're on screen. They're they're blatantly just cheating at the game. <laughs> yeah, so I'm trying to look up who um, who the voice actors are. I don't recognize any of these people except for Cree <laughs> Summer. Yeah. No one famous. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Um, the uh, yeah, because those three guys actually kind of sounded like someone to me. One sounded like he was trying really hard. Um. Uh, like like Rob Paulson. <laughs> Before Rob Paulson was like really Rob Paulson too. Yeah, when he was uh, uh doing. Uh, I think he was on like gummy bears. <laughs> I'm not gonna let that go. Yeah, I, I'm not. <sighs> who the hell are these people? Sue Murphy was Latara, whoever the hell that was. She was a writer on Ellen, and she played a pregnant woman in the TV show at the movie Nine Months. Um. Oh, this explains it. I think they're. Uh, I think they're all Canadian. Oh, okay. Oh no, wait. Okay, wait a second. No, I. <sighs> I take so some of them are Canadian, and I think some of them are kind of like in-house Lucasfilm people. Okay, because Danny Delk, who does the voice for uh, who do you do? Who do you do in this? Oh, my favorite Ewok. Who do you do? Oh, he did. Uh, no, he did Wicket. So he did Wicket, but he also does uh, a voice of uh, Murray in the Monkey Island games, as well as a bunch of the other LucasArts games. So he was just like an in-house known commodity, which makes sense because uh, Bob Caro, who wrote this show, got his writing job with LucasArts, or in Lucasfilm rather, because he was Amanda Lucas's nanny. What? That yeah, just Yeah, it's absolutely insane. So basically, he was George Lucas's daughter's nanny, and he was given a writing job writing Caravan of Courage. So, I mean, that's a pretty good way to get a promotion. That that just proves that George Lucas had no idea what he was doing after Return of the Jedi. Oh, so you're really good at uh, taking in my daughter. Uh, you want to write a movie? <laughs> George Lucas didn't have any idea what he was doing at any step of the way. There's a, there's a, so depending on how into Star Wars you are, there is a book that ranges from really interesting to, uh, you know, if you're interested in Star Wars, to horrifyingly boring, if you're not, called The Secret History of Star Wars. And it's a really, really well-researched look into basically, like, what was going on in terms of Star Wars from, like, 1973, way before it started, uh, up until after the prequels. And just how Lucas's plan was changing every single step of the way and how he was always saying, oh, this is always the plan. 
yeah, I, I know I wanted to have Michael Jackson as Jar Jar, but uh, <laughs> Ahmed Best is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, because originally Jedi was supposed to end with uh, Luke killing Vader, then picking up the mask and putting it on and becoming the new Vader. That was his original plan for the end of Return of the Jedi. That makes no sense. <laughs> then the next trilogy was going to be the uh, in Empire when they when uh, Yoda and Obi Wan are talking about how there is another. That was obviously not supposed to be Leia originally, because otherwise she and Luke wouldn't have made out that time. So it was supposed to be an entirely new character introduced in Jedi, who would spend the entire next trilogy convincing Luke to turn back to the light side. Like, there are all sorts of horrible, horrible ideas in the Star Wars universe, and it's incredible. Yeah, I know. I just watched an entire cartoon. <laughs> Dude, if if this to you is the low point, I challenge you to just watch 10 minutes of Attack of the Clones, for fuck's sake. <laughs> no, I'm just talking about for, like, 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 animated TV shows based on movies. In the 80s, uh, they did this way too much. You had... Oh, I agree. You had Bill and Ted, which I actually like that cartoon. Um, you had the karate also written by Paul Dini. That makes sense. You had the Karate Kid cartoon, um, Rambo, RoboCop. Yeah, RoboCop is the really troubling one to me because that is distinctly based on a non-children's movie. So funny, is we Rambo. Recorded, we, <laughs> we we recorded a uh, a Nickelback in last night, and we actually had this exact conversation on it, talking about cartoons based on films that were not kill, uh, children's films at all like beetlejuice and robocop gremlins <laughs> yeah so yeah uh, i would so what i would say to you if you didn't like these episodes um at some point maybe ask me again for another recommendation for like one 10 minute one to watch on your own time because this these two might not be for you because like i said they're kind of outliers in the actual in the actual series it just reminded me of that basic 80s saturday morning trope of like oh we gotta do something stupid so here is something stupid yeah and both of these episodes are exactly that so shall we get through uh the rest of uh home is where the shrieks are so we can move on to princess latara because i i want to talk about that one a lot okay (laughs) but but in home home is where the shrieks are um the thing that drove me crazy is he had a good mom his mom was really good like he was just a dingus yeah, so throughout the series, she is shown to be, like, a good mom who basically just takes no shit from him whatsoever. So, f- from the perspective of a kid, I- again, I saw these for the first time as a kid. So, when I saw him, I'm like, yeah, his mom is being harsh. But as an adult, I'm watching it, and I'm like, yeah, she's she's being reasonable. She's, she's being just being kind of no-nonsense. Yeah, she's just no-nonsense. She, like, has less of a sense of humor than, like, I, I would say a lot of parents have. That's why I'm asking you. And when you're done with this... I need some gourds washed. That does it. I'm moving out. Is that so? I'm not a kid anymore, you know. Uh Uh-huh. Better take a scarf. Uh, thanks. So, but, so... so yeah, in their treehouse, uh, they are warned by the three card, uh, the cheating card players, that it is home to something called the Shrieks, and that since they didn't have the permission of the Shrieks to live there, that they were in trouble. And then those three took off, and uh, one of them came back to politely close the door after they left. Huh. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funny if you locked it from the outside. <laughs> You guys are gonna die in here. It's like that first se- uh the first scene in American Horror Story in the first season. You're gonna die in there. <laughs> and they did. Yep. Yep. Spoilers for a show that's like ten years old. Yep. Yeah, it, it is uh ten years old this year, actually, I think. Or nine years. So yeah, so they decide they start hearing all sorts of horrible wails and moans and shrieks, you might say. And the two of them decide, or well, Wicket decides to turn off the light to try to set a trap for uh, the Shrieks. To save Tebow fifty thousand like dollars idea. in the animation budget. Yeah, I mean, it probably did save some money, and that went straight up the nose. <laughs> Bolivian marching powder ain't cheap, <laughs> so they uh, they see the outline of what they think is the Shrieks leaving their uh, leaving their treehouse 
And they follow it outside and see him go into the base of the tree itself. Can we just skip to what it is? <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, it is a three-eyed uh, little furry. Uh, I'm not gonna say cute monster, it's but a I will say like non non-threaten- non-threatening monster uh, named Larry. <laughs> and Larry did the same exact thing that they had many years ago. Uh, ran away from home and said he didn't need anyone, except um, his family did something that we've actually discussed before. <laughs> <laughs> While he was gone, they moved. <laughs> yeah. So when he returned, he didn't have a family anymore. So he went back and to scare people away from his home and make sure that he was always safe, he uh, he created the shrieks and yelled through a series of uh, hollow tubes in the tree to project his voice. I would have liked it better if Larry David did the voice of that thing. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Just imagining him with like the shrieks effect too. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. <laughs> I I still think I still think it was crazy that, um, if you think about it, his family was probably killed by the empire. <laughs> Possibly, yeah, or the Dulocs, because there's uh, as the other episode showed, there's a there's actually a lot of conflict going on in Endor, so. Yeah, I, there's there's a lot of ways that they could have died on this planet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the things that will kill you in the Star Wars universe. Sorry, yeah. Um, yeah, it's fun. There's like there's one episode where there's like a rip in the like space time continuum and shit. The Empire comes to town. Uh, all sorts of monsters come out of nowhere. Yeah, it's it's fun. These are these are more like lighthearted episodes. <laughs> yeah, this was definitely lighthearted, and then. This segment ends with them having a feast and Larry is stuffing his gullet. Now we can talk about the thing you want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they took him back to the to the village after they went home. Okay, yeah, so Princess Latara. This episode to me is one that was frequently quoted by myself and my siblings growing up. Why? Why, Chris? <laughs> Because of one single very important character. The prince? And l- yes. <laughs> he is the most important character of probably any 80s sitcom or uh, cartoon of all time. I like her a lot. Jima, I like her. <laughs> Jesus, calm down. Yeah, Vork. Yeah, he's sitting there with his four teeth and his tongue is hanging out. Yeah, I'm going to probably- thank you for introducing Little Devil again. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty close to Little, little Devil in some ways. Uh, I would say Little little Devil is probably more functional because he actually does things. Like, he can, like, work with iron and stuff like that. The fact Whereas that I, I would imagine that Vork can't really do a whole lot on his own. The fact that Vork is going to become a monarch is probably... Tr- so... Troubly... Well, well, <laughs> can't say the word. Troubling and upsetting. I almost said troubly upsetting. Gorfs, bring in the candidates. Yes, Queen Sluga. The princess of the Mud Dump I like her, Ma. I like her. Yeah, much too common. Into the pit. Trouble, well, troubling and upsetting. You don't see much out of Queen Sluga dis- besides her being like kind of like unpleasant and angry, but I'm willing to bet that she is just as dumb as him, just older, so she's had more time to kind of, like, learn a few more words. Uh, also, I think that Vork might be inbred, so I think he might have that against oh, him as think? well. Oh, you think? That's why they're trying to get him <laughs> princesses from outside species. And when, <laughs> and the, when the mom doesn't like the, the, the princess, she has... The princess murdered. <laughs> well, to be fair, they actually clarify that at the end of the episode. They're not murdered. They're just thrown into a pit. They don't mention the Sarlacc. <laughs> they do not. But, uh, yeah, so in this episode, like I mentioned before, Latara wants to be princess for a day. She, uh, Wicket agrees to do so on the condition that uh, Princess Nisa will give him, in order for playing along, a Pearl of Patience for his warrior belt. Okay, that's another kind of like thing. I had no idea who these people were. 
or these characters were because I didn't grow up watching this horseshit cartoon like you did. Uh, it's pronounced cartoon, uh, but yeah. <laughs> I thought you were about to say, it's pronounced horse-mared. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, it... Um, so yeah, no, I mean, it's basically just four characters. It's like four friends hanging out. I, I don't know what the, the complication is here for it. It's not the worst setup in the world. <laughs> but I, I didn't know like that uh, Princess Cree Summer was a princess. I mean, she said it in the at the very beginning of the episode. She talked about there were she and uh, she and Latara were talking about how um, Latara wished she could be a princess like Nisa, and I then Nisa said, "Well, being a princess is playing make believe." I mean, you can tell because Nisa has a little uh, jewel hanging from the top of her hood. Well, but but <laughs> but what's her name? But uh, Latara had her like flapper feather thing going on she is very flapper looking yeah <laughs> i was like is, is this like in the gremlins too is she like that girl gremlin <laughs> <laughs> well there's she's a not flapper the ewok science experiment <laughs> okay if there's a flapper ewok then i want to i i pray that there is like a prohibition ewok who's like oh we got all this yum yum juice we're not supposed <laughs> to have yum yum juice well you see, I got 50 barrels of yum yum juice, and uh, they're all yours if you look the other way, boss. Yeah, so basically we're introducing, like, a Capone Ewok. Yeah. And then we can slowly start involving, like, um, Temperance Ewoks, maybe an Elliot Ness Ewok. Uh, definitely an Elliot Ness Ewok. You need to have that that uh, that Ewok who's supposed to be Sean Connery from The Untouchables. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just another American Joe. I just, just like a duloc to bring a knife to a gunfight. <laughs> I love how in Untouchables they never address the fact that that Sean Connery is is Scottish or Welsh. She's like, yes, I'm just like you, <laughs> just an American Joe. I just go and do my American Joe things, <laughs> like wear this kilt. I'll see you in a fortnight. <laughs> so. Okay, so that's that's a pretty interesting line of thinking of uh, of of this prohibition era of the Ewok community. Where do you think Shodu lies in this? Do you think Shodu would be uh, a part of the Temperance movement, or do you think she'd be drinking underground? Oh, drinking underground. Okay, and Sing, do you think singing in the they clubs live in trees and... that they would be literally drinking underground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're in you like a you... mole hut. Oh, go ahead. You know why uh, Ewoks exist to begin with, right? To sell merchandise. Well, yes, but uh, specifically why they were put into this film. No, why? Uh, Return of the Jedi originally. Because they were supposed to be, it was supposed to be Chewbacca's home planet originally. And they were all supposed to be Wookiees living in the trees. Which is why in Revenge of the Sith, when you finally see Kashyyyk, the Wookiee planet, they're all in trees and in tree houses that aren't all that different from what you see in the Ewok village. Oh, yeah, so, and my favorite line from Revenge of the Sith, and I will miss you most of all, Chewbacca. <laughs> I didn't know if it was that or when Chewba uh, Chewbacca did a literal Tarzan yell. Mm. No, it was an actual Tarzan yell. Oh. Yeah, they just took like a clip of Tarzan yelling and played that as Chewbacca swung on a vine. What if he opened his mouth and it was Phil Collins? Like like he had just eaten Phil Collins and Phil was trying to get out? No, it was like <laughs> Phil Collins singing. You'll be my son of man, look to the stars. <clears throat> Actually, it'd be great if it was just like a completely irrelevant Phil Collins. So he like gets on the vine. He's ready to fight against the, uh, the droid army. And he's just like, you used to have an invisible touch. Yeah. Sue, Sue, Studio. I was in Hook. Can't dance. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the words against all odds. <laughs> now, uh, Wicket, where do you think he falls in the temperance movement? Oh, he, he he's like... Remember in Godfather Part 2 when they show young Vito Corleone as a young boy and he ends up befriending a mobster? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's him. Okay. Okay. Now, how about uh, Tebow? 
You think Tebow's uh, hitting the sauce, or is he uh, oh, obeying he, he, the law? He's a mule. <laughs> I could see Tebow being a completely unwitting mule. So you're going like to go to the corner, and there's going to be a mailbox. But there's no yum-yum mailbox over there. There will be a mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Tebow, uh, again, not in these episodes, because I gave you two random-ass episodes that I just happened to watch a lot as a kid. Uh, Tebow is a magician's apprentice in this. So the little pouch that he carries with him, the reason it's so small when he says it's carrying all of his things is because it's basically a bag of holding. It's like a magic bag. Nerd! So... Yeah, so I like the idea of Tebow just using this to just carry tons and tons of like illegal hooch around Ewok, around Bright Tree Village. Yeah. Oh, these are yum yum barrels. <laughs> I love I created this booze. <laughs> yum yum juice. Now, um, I'm going to say Nisa's probably on the temperance side because she's obviously very good to eat two shoes. Her father's the chief of the tribe, so I don't think she's going to try to ruffle too many feathers. So she's going to die. <laughs> Watar is definitely uh, hitting the sauce. I don't think she's hitting the sauce. I think she's singing at the clubs. She's like, providing entertainment. Yeah, like she's like <laughs> Jessica Rabbit and uh, yeah, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And she kind of has like that voice for it too. The character. I wonder if that was like a stylistic thing to make her flappery. Because now that you mention it, the voice plays into that as well, which is strange because it's like a child character. Panties from indoor. <laughs> So, uh, in, it, the Duloks so and their men got to, away. Lataram uh, <laughs> is to piss Wicked off at some point, and he tells her that he was only uh, going along with her whole princess thing t- as a favor. So he storms off after having carried her on a uh, on a little chariot, and Tebow, who is also carrying her, t- informs her that he still likes her no matter how nasty she is, <laughs> which I think is one of the best lines. He's like Cameron Fry. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> The way they they treat Tebow is he's gonna snap one day, and there's gonna just be a bunch of dead Ewoks. <laughs> I never thought well, I would I mean, make this have... reference, but he's gonna be like Michael Douglas from Falling Down. <laughs> S- speaking of of weird cartoons, what if they did like a Falling Down <laughs> cartoon? <laughs> I think I broke Chris. <laughs> So I think what it would be, well, I was thinking of what it would be, and I've got an elevator pitch. Mike I can't Jets. remember his character's name from that, but let's just call him Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas has had enough with society and its ills, so he decides to help out law enforcement. And the whole thing is just going to be about him like catching criminals on his own. In and, like, different fast food restaurants. What's that? In different fast food restaurants. Yeah, and he uses his briefcase as bait. <laughs> you forgot your briefcase! <laughs> Fallen down the animated series. <laughs> now I want to think of different, like really R-rated, like movies that would be kids' cartoons. Basic heat. Instinct. Uh, I was saying Heat. <laughs> <laughs> yep, either one. <laughs> Devil's Advocate. Yeah. Oh, that would be fun. Oh, a yeah, time the, to kill the cartoon. What was that? A time to kill. Yeah. Yeah, you could do that. Just all these inappropriate cart uh, movies, like they're not inappropriate they're very important movies but practical magic not not for children right practical magic the cartoon no country for old men (laughs) that's the one i want (laughs) to see yeah i think uh harvey birdman would be the hero in that one (laughs) oh my god no country for old men the cartoon Then Jim Meskin can can have work doing his Tommy Lee Jones impression. <laughs> All right. So yeah, to wrap up the plot quick, um, they they abandon Latara, and some of uh, Queen Sluga's thugs overhear them refer to her as Princess Latara. So they kidnap her and take her back to marry uh, Vork. Uh, upon receiving Queen Sluga's approval, and Vork's too, because as you know, he is wont to say, "I like her, ma." Yeah. Oh, Vork, you would like a yum yum barrel. <laughs> yeah, no, Vork is the kind of person that I think it's probably not canon, but it should be that he's drilled a hole into his mattress. <laughs> oh my god, he he's the type of guy that she left in the bathtub too long, <laughs> and like 
She's like, I was technically dead for <laughs> 10 minutes, Ma. Oh, you exaggerated. Couldn't be more than two. <laughs> He's like, what do, you th- what do you think about prohibition, Ma? <laughs> well, I got all this yum yum juice. We're underground. <laughs> oh, man. Now, what, what would that bar look like? They w- uh, in the Ewok bar? Yeah. I mean, it would be fucking filthy. So, have you seen Solo? Yeah. I actually so, like Solo. Yeah, I did too. Solo was actually a very fun movie. It, it, it pleasantly surprised me for a movie that fucking has no reason to exist whatsoever. Um, the scene where Han is thrown into the prison where he first meets Chewie. Oh, okay. I'd imagine it's probably that level of cleanliness. Because it's underground on like a like rainy planet, so it's not going to be clean. Uh, actually, similar to uh, to where Queen Sluga and Vork live, okay. like they're in a disgusting, muddy little shanty. So I think it's going to basically be that, uh, except they're going to um, serve beverages, probably not to any codes that might exist in Bright Tree Village. It, it's like the bar in Blazing Saddles, where and he keeps his bar nice and clean, and he's just blow. He spits into the jar and cleans it up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder what the Ewoks' uh, sense of like cleanliness is, like what they want to, like if they have any standards. Because I mentioned a second ago them having codes, and I wonder if they do have like health codes. I wonder what an Ewok like vintage fedora would look like. An Ewok vintage fedora? Yeah, for like a gangster fedora. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And what would their getaway car look like? He's on two boulders and a stick. So no, the getaway would be they have battering rams. <laughs> In the movie, so they would probably use one of those. That's the chase I want to see. You just hear that old timey. Just a police battering ram chasing a criminal battering ram through the forest. <laughs> Ewok John Dillinger was shot outside of the Ewok movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> They've collected most of his penis. <laughs> That's what happened to John Dillinger. <laughs> Well, no, John Dillinger was supposed to have had a uh, an enormous hog. <laughs> God damn it. Have you not heard this? No. Oh yeah, no, it's the stuff of legend. Yeah, him and uh, him and Milton Berle are the big two. <laughs> uh, is this like that scene in Boogie Nights, for <laughs> <laughs> the colonel or the general? So I I watched uh, a while back around the time that we lost um why can't I think of the guy's name uh hilarious comic uh insult comic oh Don uh, Rickles. Rickles Don Rickles yeah around the time we lost him uh Danielle and I watched a bunch of roasts that he did in like the 60s and he's incredible but it's amazing how Milton Berle has no sense of humor or had no sense of humor whatsoever. The second anyone said a joke about him, he'd like stand up and start walking towards them like angrily. <laughs> uh, and it's like, come on, man, relax. You're you're a tripod. So, so it's Milton Berle hanging out with John Dillinger and Huey Lewis. <laughs> that would be great if Huey Lewis was in the club as well. He is. Oh, is he? Oh, how do you know that? Yeah, have you haven't you seen uh, what what was that Robert Altman movie? Shortcuts. No, I haven't seen Shortcuts. That's on my list, but I, I haven't seen it. It make it makes sense. That's why he was doing all that doo wop music after it was cool to do. I don't yeah, care. Could get away with doing it. it for my baby. Uh, also discussed on Nickelback and last night was Huey Lewis. This is fucking really weird. <laughs> how many beats we're covering, and you're bringing up all of them. I'm not meaning to. Um, so yeah, eventually the gang comes, rescues Latara, and they roll, uh, the queen, her guards, and Vork all into the pit. And this is how we know that everyone is still alive down in the pit, including the other princesses, because we then hear, uh, Vork say, Jima, does this mean the wedding's off? You know, that was like a standards and practices, you know, we need to know they're still alive. <laughs> God, imagine how dark it would have been if the camera just panned over to that pit and then it just cut to the next scene. Um, So this was written by Paul Dini, who I love Paul Dini, but have you ever heard, I think he was on like Batman on Batman. He was on a podcast and he was talking about, he had like the saddest life. Paul Dini? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I don't know much about him personally. Um, so <sighs> what was the story? He was he was telling a story about how um, he realized how lonely he was when uh, he went on a date with a girl, um, and he got mugged <laughs> on the way home. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> it's not funny, but he got like. Well, he's he survived. He he got beaten within an inch of his life, and at the hospital. Oh God! Like, Is there anyone we can call? And he's like, no. <laughs> Oh, God, that's awful. Yeah, it's the saddest thing. And then he's like, yeah, so then I asked out that girl again and I married her. I was like, so that you could have someone to call when you get mugged outside of your apartment? Yeah, no, he, um, yeah, he's written, he wrote probably about half of this season. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, again, I'd urge you, don't take these as, as an example of, of the show, because these are very much, like you were saying, like the Saturday morning cartoon tropes, whereas other episodes definitely go into other other sort of areas, and Paul Dini's other episodes are, are pretty solid. I mean, Captain Planet focused on, you know, drug addiction, so I don't know what they have to offer. Yum, yum, berries. <laughs> so, did he write for Captain Planet as well? Paul Dini wrote for everything. Ugh, Captain Planet, though. Oh, man. That was the one cartoon that uh, Tom Cruise lobbied to be on. Captain Planet? Yeah, like, they got so many famous people. Sting's on that. Well, yeah, because Whoopi Goldberg's on it. I know. Meg Ryan. Jesus. Yeah. If you look up the cast of, of Captain Planet, it's very impressive. Was it basically just like a who's who of left-wing Hollywood circa 1992? Yeah, people who are environmentalists. So I, I'm shocked Ed Bagley Jr. wasn't on there. <laughs> I, took, I took public transportation to get here. No, oh, you do have Ed Asner in there. Ed Asner was on everything. I mean... John Ratzenberger. Paul- Jeff Goldblum for one season, replaced by Maurice LaMarche. Yeah. Have you ever heard uh, the show uh, I Was There Too? Yep. Yeah, the Maurice LaMarche episode of that was just was just wonderful. Talking about Ed Wood, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, he was talking about a number of different things. He was basically talking about his career overall. Uh, there was a character named Duke Nukem on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this show... Uh, Interesting. This These two episodes, they weren't terrible, but they weren't great. Like, it just made me realize... That 80s cartoons were really bad until, like, Disney Afternoon started. Yeah, I will say that there is some truth to that. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm going to go to bat for other episodes of, of the series. Because especially, like, uh, one of them, the ones that were full episodes as opposed to two two-parters. So, like, The Rage and uh, Night of the Stranger, looking at the Wikipedia here now. Uh, those are all really solid, and those are mo- those are I think all Paul Dini as well. And those ones get into more of like the sort of like kind of I don't want to say like the violence on Endor, but like the the struggles between like the Ewoks and the Duloks and like other aliens coming because the the Ewoks have like a magical artifact that a lot of other creatures are trying to steal. So that's sort of like a, a key plot point for a lot of the episodes. What if it was like a lightsaber? It is. It is not a lightsaber. It's a little stone called the Sun Star. It'd be That's great yellow if it was on a one side and purple on the other. It would be good if it was a lightsaber attached to Luke's hand from Bespin, <laughs> which was the original episode, uh, uh, the original beginning of the Force uh, Force Awakens. Oh, seriously? Yes, they were. Um, his. It was going to come in on his hand holding the lightsaber, floating through space as it crashed down to Jakku, and then was discovered. That is messed up. Yeah. Yeah, no, you can find some early scripts online, and there is some uh, some weird shit going on in some early drafts of that. <laughs> As we come to the end of this episode, how many bagels? So I'm going to give you two answers for this, uh, not because there are two episodes. I'm going to give you an answer for these episodes, and I'm going to give you an answer for the series at whole. Okay. Uh, the episodes... I'm going to give them nine, nine out of 13. The series as a whole, I'm going to give 11. And I understand that there's definitely some nostalgia applied there, but uh, also, again, I'm going to say it once more, there are other episodes that I think you would like better than these uh, if these weren't for you that had a little bit more, uh, had a little bit more teeth to them and had a little bit more plot going on. Seven, 
because I'm being kind. <laughs> no, don't be kind. No, be I, yourself. <laughs> no, I I think that I I don't like I didn't like it because I didn't grow up watching it. Like, yeah, it's probably a good part of it. I mean, if I made you watch an episode of Freakazoid, who knows? Yeah, I'm not sure I could get behind that. I like Freakazoid, but yeah, I mean, that's another Paul Dini show. <laughs> um, I, some of the writing was clever. I love Free Summer, so. I'll I'll go with seven. And also, um, you know that Tebow can fuck. Jesus. <laughs> Come into my magical bag of holding. He's got like a, he's got like an old like bachelor pad from the seventies set up in there. So yeah, uh, thanks for being on for Animation <laughs> Month. <laughs> Do you want to promote anything? You pervert. Uh, hey, don't look at me. Tebow is the one with the bag of holding. Uh, yeah, I actually just spearheaded a music compilation called uh, We're In This Together. And it is a benefit for the World Health Organization uh, COVID-19 Response Fund. Uh, so any proceeds from that will go right to the World Health Organization. Um, you can find it at wearinthistogether.bandcamp.com. And it's pay what you want. And like I said, uh, all proceeds go to the World Health Organization. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I, I forgot to tell you earlier. <laughs> Someone, uh, a friend of mine from high school, messaged me. He's like, I, I listened to your Urkel podcast. I love it. I shouldn't have started at the end. i am got to go back to the beginning now. <laughs> it's so, almost like there was a story there. <laughs> I was like... Why did you start at the end? <laughs> I really like Pulp Fiction. <laughs> so I'm going to go one, two, four. Go. Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually pretty topical with Star Wars. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you can find us on Twitter, uh, Facebook, curlandonfilm.com. Um, Chris, thanks for doing this. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Um, and... Uh, Bye. Beach Chihuahua.